This podcast is also part of a pod course, which is available for credit on speechtherapypd.com. All you need to do is register for the course, complete the requirements, and you will receive credit. Speechtherapypd.com is a video continuing education company, a certified ASHA CE provider. Char Beauchard here. True story. I just hung up the phone with an SLP that had attended an on-site seminar. She said she loved the seminar, but she forgot to fill out her ASHA participant form. Sounds easy enough, huh? Uh-uh. The seminar was three months ago, and all the paperwork had been submitted, and ASHA doesn't take late forms. So I said, Linda, you have to file an appeal with ASHA. Then she said, this is a nightmare. I drove two hours to get there, two hours to get home, and now I have to file an appeal? I felt for her. And then I said, Linda, have you ever heard of SpeechTherapyPD.com? She said, no. I said, just get your CEUs online, girl. That's what I do. You don't have to leave home. They have over 500 hours of video, a huge variety of topics for SLPs that work with children and adults. And if you don't want to watch a video, then listen to the pod courses and get your CEUs that way. Then she said, they're pretty expensive, right? I said, uh, no. Their plans start at $89 a year, for heaven's sake. And then... I said, do you want the icing on the cake? SpeechTherapyPD.com has scheduled a CEU cruise next summer to Italy and Greece. Woohoo! She said, okay, I'm looking them up right now. And so should you. SpeechTherapyPD.com. Check them out. Tell your friends. You'll be glad you did. Hello, and welcome to The Speech Link, brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. I'm your host, Shara Beauchart, speech-language pathologist, and I invite you to join us as we share practical strategies to take your therapy to the next level. We'll talk with experienced experts who have achieved extraordinary results and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. To go or not to go into the classroom is a decision many of us as school speech-language pathologists have to make or choose to make. I know that some districts require classroom involvement of their SLPs. Today, Sharon Ivey, an experienced and retired school SLP, consistently worked with her language kids and their teachers successfully for 35 years, long before it was a strong suggested option by ASHA. Now, in full disclosure, I worked in the same district as Sharon. I observed her. She was dynamic, captivating, and the kids and teachers loved her. In addition, and most importantly, she was effective. Here we go. guest today is Sharon Ivey. Sharon's been a speech-language pathologist for 38 years. She graduated from San Jose State University with her bachelor's in speech-language pathology and audiology, then obtained her credential in clinical rehabilitation from Stanislaus State University, also in California. She's the quintessential school SLP. 
She's worked with several schools within two school districts. The first was for three years in Stanislaus. The second was in Apple Valley Unified School District in Southern California. And that's where I met Sharon. Although she recently retired from Apple Valley, she was in that district for 35 years, primarily at the elementary level. She's a lady of loyalty to her district and her school, but mostly to her therapy kids. Everyone that knows Sharon, including me, says that Sharon is one of the best therapists they've ever known, and that's a fact. My friend, I'm honored and excited that you're here. Welcome to the speech link, Sharon. Oh, thank you, Shar. This is such an honor. It almost could make me cry from that introduction, but thank you. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you are amazing. Sharon, you worked closely with teachers and even going into the classrooms and working with kids before many of us were doing that, before it was in vogue even. Sharon, to get us started, tell me about those early years. Where did you start? Well, it happened like in the mid-80s, like 1985, 86. I was sitting in a, a IEP meeting with a resource specialist and a psychologist, and they wanted to dismiss the student from, you know, or from special ed. And the teachers were complaining that the child was not showing the progress in the classroom like they were showing in the resource, resource room. So uh, it made me start thinking, well, when my students show progress with me, maybe they're not showing the progress in the classroom. You know, maybe I'm getting a false idea here. So I decided to maybe go in the classrooms and see how my students are working. So I decided I'd do a talk to the principal and uh, maybe do a sign-up sheet or something and uh, go in the classroom and see how my kids are actually doing. So when I went to the principal, they, he told me, no, I don't think it's a good idea. So I had to really talk him into it. It would be a sign-up sheet. It would be voluntary. You know, the teachers didn't have to do it. But it was really to help myself see maybe I was getting a false impression of what normal language was because of working with language delay students. Well, I put the signed-up sheet up by the mailboxes, uh, the teachers' mailboxes, and nobody signed up. Well, that gave me a good impression, a good idea that probably no one knows what I'm doing. So I had to convince two of my teachers that I knew well, could I come into their classroom? And it was only going to be a 45-minute lesson, and could I do this to see how my students were, were working? Talk them into it, and teachers really start talking to each other. And after I did the two lessons, all of a sudden that sign-up sheet started filling up, and that was my beginning. What I wanted to do was I wanted to work, show them what language kind of ideas I was coming up with. I did a Jeopardy game, the first one, had my little pocket chart Jeopardy board, and I'd bring that from classroom to classroom, and it was all language concepts, and that was my beginning. All right, so you were working with language kids and playing Jeopardy games and so on, because right. I know that you were in the classroom for, what, uh -huh. 20, 25 years, 30 years at least? I did probably about 30 years. I did that. So Sharon, in, you know, two or three minutes, <laughs> can you tell us 
what changed? Because I want to get into specifics later on about what you did, but what changed, if anything, over those 30 years from you started out doing Jeopardy games and so on in just a handful of of classes? What changed over time? Okay. I was noticing my second graders, I had a lot of language students in that second grade. And I was looking for the following year, how in the world, I had like six or seven uh, new students. And I thought, how in the world am I going to be able to service these children? So I went to, this was the end of the year. So I knew they were going to third grade. So I went to a third grade teacher that was a friend of mine. And I said, I'll make a deal with you. I said, if you're willing to take, I had three or four of them that were severe language. If I put those students in your class with the principal's permission, then the next year, third whatever that year that was, I can think it was 87. I said, then um, I will come into your classroom two times a week and I will work with you, your kids and those kids too. And that would be part of their therapy session. And then I, what I did is I wouldn't give her all seven of them. I think that would be awful, but I gave her three or four and I then pulled the others from other classrooms to come join us. And I said, I'll work with the whole classroom, but I will, but I want that extra time with those students. And she agreed. And so we started a whole classroom uh, language lesson and I wanted her to see what I was doing. And I was probably more amazed than anybody. We only did a 30-minute session and with whole group. And we also did, she was really good. We would split the class sometimes in half. I do half the class and she do half the class. I would be sure that I gave her a lesson to work on. I didn't want her to do, you know, her normal reading or math. I wanted it to be strictly language. So I developed a lesson for her and a lesson for me or a whole group. And I was amazed with the progress that those four kids did during the year. What was happening, she was then taking the lesson that I did in the classroom and she repeated it sometimes two or three times that week. So my kids were getting extra therapy of this, of, without me being there. And the next year, what happened is the teacher next door was seeing the progress. And she said, I'll tell you what. She goes, I'll take all, all your high kids. And she says, I'll do, it was a, like a young author's uh, kind of writing something. And we took her low kids and we combined all those. And we had like 30 kids. And I was amazed again about the progress. And so from that point on, we uh, then decided to then do classes the next year for children who were low language, uh, children who were uh, English language learners, and we developed a class for those kids or children at risk. And we developed classes from really first, second, and third grade. And we worked with those students. We still worked at grade level standards, but we then continued, I continued in those classes. And that started like 10 years. We went all of a sudden from first, second, and third, from first all the way up to fifth grade. Mm -hmm. 
But the deal was with those teachers was that they had to work with me. It wasn't a time for them to go to the office to, you know, make copies or a coffee break. We were going to work together. And the best part was they took those lessons and they continued with it when I wasn't there. So my kids got the best benefit of everything. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm trying to think about today's classroom, today's teachers. Mm -hmm. And I know they are under the gun to get through their lessons, through their activities, and to get those kids doing well on the tests and so on. And I know that there's a way to go in and to enhance their language skills and to encourage the teachers to help. But I also know they're under the gun. And I think today's teachers, it's harder to do that. What but, but I don't know. You were a therapist in this day and age. You know, you're telling me about what you did sort of at the beginning and, and for the next 10 years. Were you able to continue that type of, of intensity with the teachers through these last few years as well? Well, the one thing I've noticed, yes, we are under the gun. I totally agree with that. And I was doing this with a caseload of 120 children. So it was, and I had a a perfect, you know, 40, 45 kids. But I realized that SLPs, we, our whole goal between teachers, administrators, and SLPs, we want to have successful learners. I mean, that's the purpose of our job. And sometimes we, as SLPs, we're kind of isolated. We don't realize that at times, that we need to work with teachers and we have skills that the teachers could use, and they have skills that we need to learn from. Yes. And so I would take 45 minutes. And so later, I maybe had to go down with my caseload down to one time a week. Okay. Um, but I would take maybe 15 minutes of my lunch and then go into the classroom. So I give, give myself a 45-minute session. And um, so, I mean, there was ways I had to kind of work around it. Um, but I felt it was important for the teachers to know what we were doing because they don't, they're not aware. And they, they're, the teachers are dying for new ideas and new strategies. So they're begging for it. Were you also doing pullout? I mean, you had over a hundred kids on your caseload. Now, you know, a lot of us are astonished at that, but I worked in Apple Valley too. <laughs> so I had a big caseload at, at Marietta. <laughs> so, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Now, you also did pull out for your Arctic kids, as well as some of your language kids, right? Mm -hmm. So what was your percentage of pull out and uh, push into the classroom? Um. I'd say the percentage was probably 75% was, pull, you know, pull out and 25%, maybe 20% was, you know, working in the classroom, push in. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds doable to me. So you were pulling out the language kids sometimes uh -huh. and you were going into the classroom with the same kids? Right. Um, I probably need to explain it a little bit. I would see my language students two times a week. So one time I would have them pulled out. The second time I would do them in the classroom. So that maybe explains a little bit, you know, better. And so if I had third grade 
usually I would then pull them in for a one-on-one, you know, a group therapy with me. And then the second time I would use that third grade teacher and I'd pull all the third graders into the classroom and then do a large group lesson. So I, that's another alternative, another way I did it for a while too. Okay. Now the reason I did that was I wanted to front load that information to those children. Cause I mean, I want my kids to have, to be able to participate and be successful Yes, in that, you know, large group setting. So if we were working on a concept, I would talk about it in the therapy room and we'd work on it then. And then I would repeat it and reinforce it when I went into the classroom. So what I did was not something that my language kids were unfamiliar with. Then I gave the teacher the information, like the worksheet or, you know, whatever the questions were. And then she would follow through with the whole classroom during the week. So that concept was continually introduced to my language kids. Okay. Now, the students that were being pulled out from other classrooms, I gave those teachers the same list of questions or whatever it might be, and I talked to them, and then they would have the information. They could, and sometimes they would do a lesson plan. They would then, if they wanted to, you know, do it in with their students, that would be fine too. But at least they had an idea of what their children were doing in the classroom next door. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So that everybody was on the same page. And just briefly, because I really do want to get into more in depth in a few minutes, but were you doing vocabulary? Is that kind of what you were doing? You know, I what I did is I I looked at the grade level standards. I always concentrated on the grade level standards and then adapted it to my language because that's what we're working on anyway. Um, so it would it would either be usually it was vocabulary, uh, comprehension kind of uh, questions, and I also worked on syntax. So those are the two areas that I concentrated on. Good. So uh, we might might work on irregular plurals or verb tenses or whatever that, but no, it wasn't only vocabulary. It all depended on the grade level standards of what they were, you know, the teacher were working at because I wanted them to feel that it was just as important. Okay. Makes sense. Okay. Here's my next question. And I want to get into specifically what did you do when you went in there? And I'm sure that it varied, you know, from grade to grade but what did you do? And I can't help but think that the other students in the class benefited as well. Absolutely. So I want to talk about the benefits after we talk about the techniques. So tell me about techniques. What are some of the things that you did? I know that sometimes you used a pocket chart with pictures or maybe words. You played some games with that. I know that you did some PowerPoints. I also know that you did some reader's theater kinds of things. Can you give us an overview and dip down a little bit on on a couple of them and give us some specifics to give us some ideas as to what we can do in the classroom. Okay. It's really not as complicated as some people might think it is. I had an SLP canvas bag and these were my always go-to things. I had two bells, you know, the bells that you click, uh, like you get at Staples, like you want when you're at a, a counter and you want somebody to come to see, you know, 
um, there at the store. I had two bells. I had um, two fly swatters. Uh, then I had six erase boards, you know, the like eight by 10, the white erase boards with um, the erase markers. And um, I also needed erasers. Uh, at the dollar store, you can get those little um, makeup sponges. They were like cloth sponges because those were easy for erasing. So, I mean, I didn't spend a lot of money or it took a lot of time. Um, so what I did is I always had it in my bag. And that's usually what I did a lot of my large group things with. Uh, what I did with the um, bells is I would put two bells on the table in front of the classroom, split the classroom in half. I would put a student on one side of the bell, almost like, you know, family feud where they're facing each other. And I'd ask a question. The first one who rang the bell would answer it. And if they got it right, then they got a point. And my teachers were the ones that kept track of all the points. Uh, and then uh, if the other one didn't, they said it wrong. The other you know, person got a chance to answer. Sometimes we may have to discuss the answer. Then they go back, sit down, the next two kids come up. Um, and it would be any questions like it could be WH questions. It could be antonyms, another, you know, synonyms. It could be really anything that required a question, you know, an answer. Uh, the fly swatters, uh, I saw this years ago. A teacher took a, a whiteboard, you know, the big whiteboard, split it in half, put a line down the middle, I should say. And she'd put spelling words randomly on one side and the same spelling words randomly on the other side. She put, split the class in half, gave them fly swatters, and then she would say a word and they would have to swat the word on the board that was spelling word that she was asking for. I love that idea. So what I did, if the kids could read, I would put antonyms up there, you know, do the same thing. And have random, not in the same places, but randomly on one side, randomly on the other side. I would say maybe the word hot and they'd have to find cold. Or if I said mother, they would have to find father. And they the first one who swatted the word, then they got the point. The children that couldn't read, I would use those pocket charts, you know, the plastic ones that you know have the sentence strips in them. And I would put pictures the same pictures on one side as the same pictures on the other side in a random area. And then I would say a word or whatever it might be, and they would swap the picture. So those were for the non-readers. So the fly swatters was a big hit. And so the first one swatted the uh, word or the picture first, that team got the point. The whiteboards, uh, what I would do there is I would use, I would make PowerPoints and just put the question maybe with a multiple choice, A, B, C, or D, have put, split the team, the class into six teams. And so of course they're usually sitting in their little area, their groups, give them a whiteboard, a marker and an eraser. And I would show the PowerPoint with the multiple choice. We'd read it together. And as each group, they would decide on the answer, A, B, C, or D. And then they would show me the answer. We'd, I would make another copy of the same question on the PowerPoint and highlight the answer. And if they were right, those teams got a point. So it could, and that could be anything you, you wanted it to be. So, and sometimes it might be pictures. 
uh, sometimes it could be, you know, a picture with uh, what would be the answer to this picture. So you could really vary it. Um, so really that was easy. It didn't take a lot of planning, a lot of effort. What I'm saying is just, it was a simple, once you got going, I used the questions from like the help books from linguist systems and just any kind of, you know, list of questions you might come across. I know that you did centers. Yes, I did. If I had aids in the classroom, I definitely used those aids. Uh, later, like especially in the special day classes, I guarantee you I used the teacher and the aides. And what I did is we would do centers there if I had an, uh, extra adults is what I'm saying. Um, and now I would be sure that took a little bit more planning. They had everybody did a language lesson of some kind. I usually try to do two. If I had four centers, two would be vocabulary or you know language concepts and two would be uh, syntax. And the children would stay, and it was easy enough. We were there for 30 minutes. The children would stay in that center with that person for 30 minutes. And then I come back the next day or next week or whatever it might be, and they would rotate to the next center. Then I'd use my games, like you could use your candy land or your shoots and ladders and be, roll it or whatever it might be, wake up daddy roll the dice, and before they answered the question, before they move, they answer the question. And so I would use the games or concentration, those things. Okay, did that make sense? Yes, yes. Now, I know that you also use the owls to help you discern improvement. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you not do that? Did you not do a pre and a post with some of your kids? Yes. Uh, we had a program we called... Um, foundation classes. Uh, it was a general ed program. So it wasn't, it was, the children were not in special ed. Uh, we used, we had aides and we had teachers. The aides were being funded from Title I. So it was a Title I program. We had to prove with this program, it pre and post. So what we did is these children, I'd kind of alluded to it earlier. These children were placed in these classes. It was a regular general ed class. Um, they were either language delayed, uh, they were EL, English language learners, or they were kids at risk. You know, those children that you think are not, maybe not quite qualified for special ed. They have reading problems, but they're not qualified for it. Or you may have those students that you think eventually will probably qualify. So they were all general ed kids. And what we did is the, we had parent permission uh, and what we did is we pre-tested the children. Usually at the end of the year, the teachers gave us a list for the following year. We would do the OWLs because um, I liked it because we were really looking at language. The reason we did that is we were finding with reading, the children might have really a good idea of phonics. They could read like a champ, but they didn't understand what they were reading. So the question was, well, then maybe we, what we need to do is work on the vocabulary. If they understand what they're reading, then everything would, you know, the skills would go up. The regular kids, interesting enough, the EL kids, um, they would sometimes make sometimes five or six years growth. One of mine, most I ever made was seven in one year. And I mean, if when they got up to to where we wanted them to be, they were out, they were back in general ed the following year. 
My deal is I wanted my language kids in that class so then I could work with them as well as the teachers. Wow. And I still did the one day of pullout and then would go into the classroom. But um, I wanted my language kids in there to get that extra help too. So that was a de- that was my deal. And we did that for almost 10 years. And that's the one I had from uh, first grade all the way up to fifth grade. Wow. What happened was the funding stopped and we had to finally eventually, we couldn't do it anymore. But um, but it wasn't because of the program, it was just the funding. But we would do the owls a pre and a post so we could really determine what the progress was. And if they weren't making the progress, then what other you know, suggestions or whatever, you know, recommendations we might have. I was amazed with what my language kids were doing, that they were in and out quickly. So really it was a win-win for everybody. That was probably the most amazing part of my career was doing that. Really? Wow. And I was pleased because the, the, the good part of it was I had teachers that didn't care about, okay, my I feel bad for teachers because test scores are so important. And, you know, the teachers talk to each other. Well, you know, my, my class did so, you know, at an 80% or 90%. And here were these teachers that had the lower kids and they weren't making the progress. You know, they were slower, I should say, in the progress. And I was so proud of them that it was important to work with the children and the test scores were not as important. Uh, and I, that made me feel good. But what we did is that those other teachers that had those higher kids, they better be kicking butt because they didn't <laughs> have to worry about the low kids. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. So it was, it was a benefit for everybody. Yeah. So, but then, you know, curriculum changed and everything else. Yes. Well, and I, I remember that you used the computerized part of the OWLs, didn't you? Didn't you put in your data and then you ended up with a nice visual graphic of, of um, their improvement and so on? Yes, we did. And that was what we would, you know, be able to show to the teacher. I was able to show to the teachers and show to the parents, you know, especially at parent conference time, you know, those, and it was all the kids. It wasn't just my language kids, but all the kids we were able to show, you know, to these, you know, parents that this was really working for their student or their child. Yes. And that that transferred over into their academics. Absolutely. And the reading skills just, I was proud that they were really improving the reading skills. And I mean, I now have, now have students, of course, it's been the first ones. I have students that are now grad, you know, college graduates and uh, one got a full ride scholarship. These are not your really low, I mean, they were had difficulties then, but to see what they've accomplished now as adults, I t- I'm proud. I am proud of them. Yes. And I'm proud of what we did. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful, Sharon. That's wonderful. I know that you were in there and you were putting your heart and soul into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you spent a great deal of time working with the teachers and the kids and so on and making amazing progress. I mean... You were renowned in the district, <laughs> what you were doing. <laughs> you oh. may not have known that, but you were. We all wanted to be Sharon Ivy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. Oh. Yes. So that kind of answers my next question. And that is, 
Did you feel that you made as much or more progress going into the classroom as you might have made if you had just pulled them out? I definitely made more progress going into the classroom. It gave me a better understanding of what these teachers are going through. Uh, I have a more respect for them. Um, I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't want 30 kids. I wanted, I liked having, you know, just a few, you know, few kids. This was really difficult for me because I wasn't used to going into a classroom. And I told the teachers, I'm not good at that. You know, I'm not good with classroom discipline and, you know, control. And I need you to help me. And so it was, I learned a lot. But I certainly respected the teachers of what they have to go through and how much they have to do to keep those you know kids busy all day and what the expectations are of the teachers. I so respect you know classroom teachers, and um, it was sure was a a wake up call for me, but it was also a learning for them because they never didn't really know what I was doing. And they said, I didn't know you knew this, this, and this, and you know about this language and you know how to elicit these uh, syntactical structures. I didn't know we could, you know, how to do that. So they learned from me, and I think I probably learned more from them. I tell you, I'm amazed with the classroom teachers. They have a tough, tough job, and I admire them so much. Hey, Busy SLP, Char Beauchart here. Here's a tip from me to you. Every week, become a lot more informed. Sign up for Therapy Matters at charbochart.com. It's free. Learn our tech and language tips and techniques and tons of ideas for making your school therapy life easier and more effective. I've been a therapist for 30 plus years and I love to share what I've learned. Sign up for Therapy Matters, read it or listen to it at charbochart.com. You'll be glad you did because the therapy that you do matters. Sign up now. Here's another question for you, Sharon. You know, we call it today, we call going into the classroom push in. My question to you is, did you ever get push back for going into the classrooms? Um, I had a couple of teachers that didn't want me in there. Mm-hmm. And yes, and I, res- I respected that. If they didn't want me to come in, that was fine. So yeah, no, 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 that did happen. Uh, a couple of times I said, well, would you let me just try once and just see what I'm doing you know, what, with your class and see if you like it? And nine times out of 10, they'd say, could you come back again? But a lot of it was they weren't sure it was useful because those minutes are so important to the teacher to get all these things in. They wanted to be sure it just wasn't a fun game that was just wasting time. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to show them what we were do, what SLPs do is very valuable. And nine times out of 10, they said, please come back again. So yes, but, but I'd have to, t- but I had to prove myself. Yes. So I know that you did several PowerPoints. Now, did you do that with the entire class or did you just use that with centers or did you just do it in your pullout? I know that you had several. I've seen them. Yes. How did you use the PowerPoint? What did you do? I used the PowerPoints, but then we projected it up on the screen in the classroom. 
So I just use the teacher's computer. Now, I want to tell you, I did give the teacher then that PowerPoint to use for the for their library, whatever they want, you know, their so they would have the those PowerPoints to use in their classroom later. But I always had it where it was projected up to the uh, screen. Now on in the class, my usually I didn't use PowerPoints that much in my uh, pullout. So um, there was other things I wanted to do, but I used mostly use the PowerPoints for the teachers. This is interesting. Okay. On Saturday, I went to a uh, birthday party and it was a teacher that I used to work with. And um, there were several teachers there that are still there, are still working in the school. And one of them came up to me and I hadn't seen her for about two or three years because I'd been retired. And she said, Sharon, I got to tell you, she says, I still use your PowerPoints and I use all the things that, and she said, I looked at her and I said, well, thank you. She says, no, she said, I use it all the time. Now to me, that made it feel like, you know what, all of that was worth it. You know, it was nice for her to say, but it made my heart feel good that these kids are still getting the benefits. So that, that's, that was the good part. Yeah. You have to share. You can't keep it to yourself. You have to share it. Definitely. I understand. And after I went over and observed you, Sharon, and you don't know this, but when uh, I go out and I do seminars on language, I do give you the credit for several of the items that I talk about and a couple of the games that I do and so on. But I had the wonderful opportunity of going over and observing you in your school and in your classroom environment. And I was just amazed at what you did and how the kids responded. I do know that you did some readers theater and it was with entire class, or at least this is the one that I observed. Yes. It was an entire class. It was in conjunction with the teacher. Mm -hmm. Would you talk a little bit about your readers theater? When we do readers theater, I liked it for vocabulary. And so what we would do is we would do a reader's, the, you know, between the teacher and I, we would do the reader's theater, you know, put them in groups and they would do their different parts. But the reason I liked the reader's theater was the vocabulary, because a lot of it was, you know, different kinds of speeches or poems or whatever it might be. And we would discuss the vocabulary to be sure they understood what it meant. So we what I did is I front loaded at the beginning to talk about, we would look at the entire um, reader's theater poem or whatever it might be. And we would talk about all the words, the phrases. Um, I loved it, especially for figurative language, because there was a lot of figurative language in those reader's theater uh, type of uh, activities. And that's where I could get that part understood. Mm-hmm. And so then it made more sense to them when they did the Reader's Theater together. It also helped those kids that working on fluency in their reading. So then they weren't doing it by themselves. They were doing it with a group. So we increased reading fluency, you know, also worked on working on a public speaking and uh, intonation and all those different other skills that you don't ordinarily think about. But the teachers, especially in the older grades, they have to work on speeches, those kids usually have to give a speech. So it kind of gives them a precursor on when they get up to talk about their speech on that state that they're doing it on or our country or whatever they're doing up in the upper grades. There's a little bit more familiarity and they have a little bit more information and it helps them with that. 
it's kind of a multi-purpose type of activity, but I loved it because of the vocabulary. That was my main emphasis. Yes. Sharon, in our last few minutes here, would you just give us, I'm going to say the top three benefits that you can think of, of going into the classroom and working with the teachers and the kids? The number one really is to see how my students are functioning in the classroom. Um, It gives me a better understanding of where they, they might be doing well with me, but maybe they're not doing so well in the classroom. It gives me an idea of how they're interacting with the kids. So that that's probably the biggest uh, plus there. Uh, then I know how to work with them when I do in the, how I can work with them in the pullout. Um, the second one is really getting the teachers involved because then they will continue that lesson uh, because teachers are just always wanting more and wanting to see what can I do to help my students. And uh, so carrying that lesson on several times during the week, not only benefits their kids, but major benefit to my child, you know, student. When I think I'm only seeing those kids, maybe sometimes only one time a week, that's not enough. They need it over and over again. Um, the other benefit really is, uh, for me, I love it. I, I love seeing the lights come on. I love seeing the um, looking at other students and I'm thinking, oh my God, I think this kid might need my help too. Unfortunately, that happened, you know, those language is a difficult uh, area for teachers to identify for language delay. So it gave me an idea, ooh, I think I need to look at this other student. So it gave me an opportunity to look at other students. The last one, which surprised me, was then later down the road, if I, there was a student in that class that we were testing for um, resource and speech and everything, I had a rapport with those kids. So I never had to work on when I brought them into the class, into my room to do testing. I didn't have to work so hard in making sure they felt comfortable. They were there and they were ready to go because they knew me so well. So that was a benefit I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. All in all, it, it, it really the best part was for me. I loved, I loved being in that room, classroom with the children. So that was a highlight of my day. Uh-huh. Well, you were good at it. Oh, thank you. You were good at it, Sharon. Thank you. Oh, yeah. You, you are in the area of an expert in my mind in going into the classroom. Yeah. Thank you so much for all of that. Now, I do have one more question. <laughs> and this question is, is more about you. Okay. Rather than going into the classroom. And here is the question. What have you enjoyed? What have you enjoyed most about being an SLP? You know, I knew I wanted to be an SLP when I was 16 years old. And Hmm. Uh, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I am glad I found the passion for it. I love, to me, I love looking at a student and not only identifying them, diagnosing them, remediating it, and then, um, then graduating them from speech. I get to see the whole gamut of that child. Um, so it's not just parts of it. I get to see everything. And to see the light come on in those eyes, 
like, oh, I got it now. That is the biggest gift of all. Um, so I, and I love working with the staff. When you think about an SLP, we're one of the few that works with all the programs in the school. Our kids are from EL, from sometimes English language, RSP, special day class. They're from GATE. They're from every single program. We touch the lives of every program. And so we're involved, more involved than what we really think we are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to be able to then to, to be a part of that and to know those child so intimately. Um, and I also like, you know, you have those kids sometimes, it's unfortunate, but you have those kids for years and years. So you develop such a relationship with them and um, a relationship with their family and the nice part is I've been to several high school graduations, weddings, baby showers of those kids later down the road. Aww. And here you are just in elementary and they still think of you. That's heartwarming. It is. But it's the light in their eyes when they get it. Yeah. I know what you're saying, Sharon. I do. It's it's like they sit and look at you and for a split second, they're processing that. And suddenly you just know mm -hmm. that it sunk in. And they have it. And there's nothing like that, knowing that they have it and that you had a part in it. Yeah. Right. It's nice. Right. It warms your heart. Yes. Well, Sharon, you are just a wonderful person. You're one of my favorite people in the world. And you're an incredible therapist. And oh. thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and you know, taking your time just to give and to reminisce and to be so specific. And I think that this is going to help a lot of us and it inspire a lot of us to get into the classroom. So thank you so much, Sharon. I certainly appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. But you're the one who's inspired me. So I think it's a double, a duel. <laughs> <laughs> it's a double admiration society here, but. Uh, okay. <laughs> thank you. Okay. All right. Thank you, All right. Sharon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the speech link. Please check out my other offerings at my website, charboshart.com and also speechtherapypd.com. See you next time for more interviews, information, and insights. Until then, thank you so much for all that you do with your speech kids. Be well and God bless. Mm -hmm.